Shalom. This is Jonathan Feldstein. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end where we're going to offer an exciting opportunity, and please feel free to share this with others who will also find it of interest. So today, it is actually Saturday night in Israel. I am recording this conversation with two good friends who and, and respected colleagues who I'm going to introduce you to, but I need to give you a caveat. We don't do a lot of editing on these programs, and we are having this conversation, oh, 15 hours or 16 hours after the latest, I, I don't even like to refer to it as a war because I still think of it all as the war of independence that we have not yet ended, but the latest war or round of fighting that has been um, unprecedented in Israel. And that is not our uh, topic today, but there was a surprise attack from Hamas terrorists in Gaza, uh, Nicole, who I'm going to introduce in a moment, and I experienced between us uh, uh, probably close to a dozen air raid sirens today. Um, there's a very real possibility that in the midst of this conversation, one or both of us may have to go to our safe rooms, um, in which case I've invited David Nekrutman just to pick up the slack and continue the conversation. Uh, but that's not our, the topic of our conversation today. And And I was told by someone else that maybe we shouldn't have this conversation today because of what's going on. But since you're not going to hear this until some days after the conversation is taking place, not only do I believe that this conversation is important, it is important. It is no less important than the current events that are that are going on in Israel today in terms of the military, because it has a very, very big and deep impact on the relationship between Jews and Christians here in the land of Israel, in the state of Israel, and how we get along um, and interact with one another on a broad basis. And I'll, I'll set it up by just saying simply, in current events this past week, there have been some very disturbing, very disturbing incidents that have taken place, which we're going to get into. And I've invited Nicole Jansezian to be part of the conversation. Nicole's a journalist who's been covering Israel and the Middle East for more than 20 years. She lives in Jerusalem. She is focused on on and highlighted Christian communities here in the Holy Land, and her articles and videos are on her available widely in uh, many, many different websi uh, websites and on her YouTube channel. David Nekrutman is the executive director of the Isaiah Project. We've been friends for, whoa, well more than 20 years. Um, David, I'm very blessed to have him as a member of the executive, uh, excuse me, the advisory board of the Genesis 123 Foundation. And when we talk about building bridges between Jews and Christians, um, David is is uh, not 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 a leader, but one of the top leaders in this area. And it's real important that we have this conversation. What's been going on? The last week, a video went viral 
of some Orthodox Israeli men, Orthodox Jewish Israeli men, spitting at uh, Christian pilgrims carrying a cross um, in the old city of Jerusalem. And, and that's unfortunately highlighted something that's been going on for a while, but fortunately the video went viral. So this has been a topic of conversation on a, on a national level. And I really mean that, and I'm grateful that it has been. Um, the other incident has been what took place around the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the annual event put on by the International Christian Embassy here, um, where there were multiple protests that took place outside of their events and calls for people to boycott that. And we're going to speak about these things, um, mindful of the fact that all of us, David has his son who went back to the army. I had my son go back to the army tonight. My son-in-law has just left uh, to go back to the army. And Nicole has a bunch of little kids and has been reporting on this all day. And we're all at a different level of stress. So we're going to be talking about things. And I think uh, on behalf of us all, while this is a very important uh, topic, uh, very important for, for, for the three of us, um, you'll forgive us in advance if we're a little bit preoccupied or our brains are not 100% focused. In any event, that is the um, on-one-foot setup of this conversation. David and, and Nicole, um, thank you for joining us tonight and, and coming back. You've both been guests on Inspiration from Zion before. Thank you for making time late Saturday night, given what we've been going through today. Um, Nicole, you can go first. Well, here, let me let me just set it up, David. I want to, you know, I want to, uh, rather than just open mic, what I want to do is try to frame it. And I think before we even talk about the protests, I think uh, I look honestly, uh, David, you shared an article with me that you uh, published yesterday, um, which I will put in the show notes here so people can read your words. Um, in my mind, spitting is not just an assault. It's a hate crime. And I'm disturbed that Israeli, although I'm very pleased that we had some people arrested um, because there was video of who was doing the spitting, um, part of what's been coming coming out about this topic recently is that somehow there's an ancient Jewish tradition of spitting at Christians or crosses or Christian institutions. David, are you able to discuss that a little bit so people might have an understanding of where it's coming from? So, yes, the answer is there is a custom. It's not a law. Some people have said it's a law that we can spit at churches, not at people, but at churches. Um, and the fact is, is that the custom where originally originated from is in uh, the Middle Ages, in a time when Jews were being persecuted by the church, and as a silent protest in our service, at the end of the conclusion of our service, there would be a particular uh, prayer. And in that prayer, we would spit on the ground. And that is the origination of the custom as a silent protest to what the church was doing to the Jewish people. Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, different programs that happened. Uh, there were some people who decided to take that custom outside of the church and go at night. Uh, to the church and spit at the church. Uh, however, this is not what's happening right now. We are not being persecuted by Christians. And yet some people feel it's okay to go ahead and take this custom of a silent protest of what happened in the Middle Ages and spit at somebody who has no idea of what is going on, just being assaulted by saliva. And 
it fuels anti-Semitism around the world. It's not like everyone understands why this particular religious individual is spitting out of revenge for what has happened for the institutional church to the Jewish people. So the answer is yes, there is. But uh, the hope is, is that many rabbis will take a reflection of what was once and stop it immediately because it's only fueling anti-Semitism. And I would say it, this is not about anti-Semitism. It's about human dignity. You just don't spit at people. And in fact, Israel has a law that if you spit out of racial injustice uh, because of racism, there is a, a two-year prison sentence. So Israel feels that is a violation of its own law, even though our national police minister, uh, Ben Gvir, feels otherwise. Excellent. Thank you for that overview. I just want to give you an opportunity. You didn't say it specifically, um, but I'm assuming that in spite of this custom, um, you're not for it. Uh, definitely not for it. And it, it just takes away what we actually believe in as far as we're all created in the image of God. And it doesn't behoove us to go ahead and take revenge of what happened in the past for the poor individual over here who's being attacked. He had nothing to do with ever happened in the past. I think the best way to handle anything that's happened in the past is what we've been doing for years is having the conversation, opening up doors of reconciliation, and you do see Christians from cross denominations that have atoned for the past of their institutional church towards the Jewish people that yeah. made the reconciliation. But the fact remains is that people who are doing these type of acts are often ignorant of what has happened in the last 60 to 100 years with different movements making its gesture and a positive gesture to be a uh, watchman on the wall for Zion, to be an intercessor for Israel, and to act uh, to actually bring our faith communities together. So there's ignorance in the ultra-religious community about the advancements of Jewish-Christian relations, and that is the fault of not the teenager who's doing this. This is the fault of the heads of the institutions themselves. I have not seen in my lifetime a collective of, yesh of yeshiva rabbis, heads of yeshiva, known as Roshe Hashivot, the heads of the institution, to come together and say, we need to address this problem. We need to tell our student body, if they are doing this, they will be suspended for going ahead and doing such an act. And that this is not a, uh, this is not Torah law. And it only goes ahead and creates a desanctification of God's name, which is one of the okay. worst uh, sins that we can do as, as a Jew is to desanctify God's name. Right. Excellent. So Nicole, I want to move to you. As, as a journalist, you're, you're, you're objective, you, and you're an excellent journalist about that, but you're also a Christian, and you're, by marriage, part of the Armenian community, which is identifiable, specifically identifiable here. And we've, ha we've had a lot of personal conversations about it. I mean, I, I, I love sort of the, the academic approach, and not a response, but your comments in terms of what David said. But but on a personal level, you're a Christian living in Jerusalem for two decades. Um, how, how does this impact you personally, the Christian community here, and, and broadly? Well, thank you for asking. Thank you for bringing up this topic because it's extremely important and it's it's been in the news more lately, obviously. And 
so through my work, I'll, I'll talk about it through my work as a journalist. Uh, I've interviewed several people about this, um, both you know from the uh, Christian background, Christian background, and also uh, Israeli Jews who are you know working to to stop this. And one of the things that is very interesting lately, what's happening is that you know David was mentioning how this is uh, this is part of it's usually the ultra orthodox, the Haredim, who are engaging in this. But what we've seen in the last several months actually is also um, the uh, different uh, types of the national religious. Um, that who are doing this, like a, a different uh, Jewish denomination, the ones that are that are walking through the old city, and they've taken it up a notch. It's not just spitting; it's also turned out to be assault and vandalism. Yeah. And since January, we've seen dozens of attacks in one way or another from simply spitting, and not just by the ultra orthodox, but now by other Jews as well. And uh, it's it's happening on a near daily basis. Yesterday, I was at the Armenian quarter and happened to uh, run into somebody. He's he's not a priest, but he wears a black robe because he's learning there in the seminary. And he goes around the old city uh, in his black robe. So he looks like a priest. So um, so I asked him, I said, so do you, he's, he's originally from America, by the way. I, you know, so I asked how, does this happen to you? You know, I've heard about this, uh, but how about you? Have you experienced this? And he said, oh yeah, all the time. He said, it's just, it, it just is happening all the time. So another interesting thing also last night was the last Friday, the last night of Sukkot. And they were expecting a large procession of, um, of worshipers through the Armenian quarter on the way to the Western wall. So the, the police were actually dispatched to the Armenian convent and they stood right outside the church. Um, four of them lined up in front of the church to avoid any incidents, which I found very interesting because now, you know, it's really in the news and everybody's talking about it and thinking about it now. And just this morning as well, there was another incident with an Armenian um, walking, well, there were a, a few um, young men that had walked by and they were harassing the guard at the seminary and a young Armenian man intervened and they got into a fight and he got pepper sprayed and actually knife as well. Oh God. So, yeah, so this is breaking news as of today. Of course, it's not the news you're not going to see on a day when, you know, 5,000 rockets and kidnappings are happening in the country. But it is something, you know, just so you know, it's always happening in the background. So so the, so I think the concern here is that it's not just um, the ultra orthodox doing what has been traditionally be, uh, done because of past uh, transgressions by Christians against Jews. Now it's spilling over into a nationalism as well. Yeah. Uh, so that, I, I believe, is what has the Christian community alarmed, is that it's not just religious now, but it's also nationalistic. Right. No, that, that's I like definitely... Add, I, I would Go like ahead. to add on to what Nicole is saying, because I would say this, the ultra-religious often do the spitting. The vandalism often is done by the Dati Lumi community, the national religious. And that has always happened for the last 20 to 25 years. So I, I would say that you have two, a two-pronged issue here. One is 
the vandalism and the burning of the church that happened in 2015 um, in, in, in Tagba, uh, that was all through the nationalists. Uh, and even Ben Gvir uh, somehow yeah. is associated with that. So I'm just, you're right. So for that, there's imprisonment for seven years, but there's only been throughout the hundred attacks on Christian holy sites, only two people that have been incarcerated yeah, that's quite phenomenal, according to the law that Levi Eshkol put in place in 1967, because we became the state of Israel, including a lot of the Christian holy sites. We made a promise right. to the churches that they would be protected. And if anyone desecrated it, there would be a prison sentence up to seven years. I have yet to see anyone serving seven years for any vandalism, even with footage out there that right. proves that person did it. So there seems to be a little bit more going on. Um, and I think it has to do with the police, in my personal opinion, the police not be able to not be able to enforce the law in its proper sense. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, David, because I wanted to kind of segue a bit to my feeling. And I, I love for, for both of you to respond. My feeling is that now we're 75 years into the restoration of Jewish sovereignty in the Jewish state of Israel. And we have obligations. We read about it. We pray about it all the time. To the stranger, we're not a we're not a xenophobic people um, by far. Even if with the very bad history that we had with the church and being persecuted, we still have a responsibility. And I and I do believe that as the state of Israel, we have a responsibility not just to protect all citizens. Um, and and there are a very small percent uh, of Christians here, um, but we have that responsibility as well as tourists if they're coming in uh, as tourists. But certainly Christian sites, uh, whether it's a church or um, or a cemetery that was desecrated earlier this year. Um, and you're right. There have there there's there are laws in place. Um, David, you you mentioned you. You mentioned uh, uh, the, the two people being arrested for um, for, for the burning of the church uh, in 2015. Five people were arrested this week. Um, you also mentioned that rabbis are not standing up and saying to the, to their communities, no, this is unacceptable. It's a desecration of God's name. And even if we disagree with them for whatever reason or historical, this is not proper behavior. Um, what else? You, you said the police are at fault. You didn't say at fault, but they're not doing their job. Um, what, what else should be done? Uh, first, I, I agree with you, Jonathan. You need to make this a category of a hate crime. If the United States makes anti-Semitism and hate crime, then anything that's anti-Christian should also be in that category for us as being the Jew only Jewish state in the world that's responsible for a Christian minority. So if a minority is being attacked because they're a minority, then uh, I believe at this point in time in where anti-Semitism is treated as a hate crime, we should be anti-anyone who's anti-Christian doing acts of vandalism against the church. We know that is a hate crime. And therefore, should have a more severe penalty uh, as far as the law is concerned. So I've never seen a piece of legislation from any Knesset member, especially those who are connected to the Christian, the Knesset Christian Allies uh, Caucus. Right, right. But just let's, you know, if you're, it's great that we have Christians in other governments around the world that take a stand with Israel. But it also is the responsibility of the governing body of the state of Israel to protect and govern properly for its citizens and the visitors who come here. 
Because when the visitors come here, they have to be protected as well. No one should be on alert of Jewish saliva as an attack on the uh, on their bodies. Or, 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 or any assault, or any assault. Yeah, any assault whatsoever. It shouldn't happen. So if it is, and we're taking this seriously, more than a, a condemnation that happens for a Kodak moment in a newspaper for one hour, and the story goes away until it comes next time, if the Knesset is really serious, and especially those members who have been associated with the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, uh, hey, let's make this a hate crime. Put a, okay. put a piece of legislation in place. I've been so engaged with this already that I've lost track of time. So I have a cliffhanger, and I want to come back and make a proposal. And I, Because I, I, I'm seeing both of you. It's an audio podcast, but I get to see you both. And Nicole, I know you want to jump in. But let's take a quick break and then come back with the thing that everyone's going to want to hear from me and then uh, and then Nicole. If you're like most people in the world, you know about the Holocaust, but never met, much less interacted with a Holocaust survivor or heard their stories of suffering and survival. With the remaining elderly survivors dying at an unprecedented pace, in less than a generation, there will be none alive. Yet, while they did survive, and for that we need to celebrate them, many still suffer trauma from their youth. As they age, they have increasing needs, and living on fixed incomes, sometimes with no pension, things as simple and essential as basic foods, heating in the winter, medicine, and inflation can push someone over the line from surviving to struggling again. It can create stress in their lives that reminds them of the suffering they endured as young people. It's just not acceptable that anyone who suffered as much should struggle with basic needs or any undue stress in their twilight years. I want to invite you to join the Genesis 123 Foundation to bless the survivors. Yes, we pray that you'll donate personally and do so generously. And when you do, we also give you the opportunity to send your personal blessings and words of encouragement to the survivors themselves to brighten their day and let them feel your love. Having been privileged to provide financial resources to help survivors on a day-to-day -day basis, I know it makes a difference and is very appreciated. But your personal note that we translate into Hebrew, Russian, or Yiddish really makes them smile and warms their heart. I pray you'll join us by going to genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. That's genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. And please share this with others. We can't undo the suffering that they endured, and there's no limit to what the needs are, but we can never do too much to comfort them in their final years. Please join us. God bless you. Okay, David, you just provoked something, and you are completely right. I mean, not that we are paying attention to all legislation that takes place in the Knesset, but I'm not going to challenge you. I'm going to invite you to join me, and you and I are going to come up with a letter to send to the members of Knesset saying, we want to see a law. We want to see that, that assaults against uh, Christians or anyone on a, on a religious basis is a hate crime and should be punishable by X. You're gonna, we'll, we'll draft that together this week. Hundred percent. Okay, I'm with you, Nicole. And you're gonna get to break that once we do it. What, what did you want to respond to, David? Uh, yeah. Um, first of all, I think it's uh, it, it's funny what you said. I have actually asked the police this very question. Um, you know, why 
why, you know, they, they need to get arrested or this, that. And the police response is they arrest. There is no dearth of arrests. And so they, they put the blame on the courts, that it's the court that's not following through with um, consequences. So anyway, I, I would just... It's interesting. Everybody is is shifting this, but I'm 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 going to be a little cynical here, and I'm going to say that this latest. Why why is this in the news this week? You know, this is there was this video that went viral, and when you look at the video, the there was a group of um, they they look they're Asian, you know, Christians yeah. exiting a church with a cross. And about to walk up the Via Dolorosa. That's one of the Christian traditions. Normal and, thing. Totally normal thing here. Right. M which most tour groups, Christian tour groups, uh, like, to, like to do when they come here. But this was also during Sukkot. There was a lot of traffic, a lot of people walking through. But I would actually question if this made the news and this quickly drew uh, condemnations from all across Israel, from all from the prime minister to the chief rabbis on down um, because they were foreigners. Uh, I wonder if it's because they're tourists that were here and because not just they were tourists here, but this was one of the biggest weeks in Christian tourism okay, as well. Okay. Because, you know, there was a conference this, this summer called why do some Jews spit at Christians? Uh, this, it was, for some reason, you know, the title of the conference was very off-putting. And so the conference received pushback from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, didn't take part in it. And the conference actually had to be moved because the place that was first hosting it was, uh, you know, apparently, allegedly, uh, encouraged or forced to not host it. And so the conference, the last day had to be moved. So, um that's because that conference was dealing with the problem before it went viral, when it was just on a daily basis happening to the local Christians. Yes, so okay. my question is, you know, we could sit here, we could say like, oh, that's a really bad um, doctrine or behavior on the part of these ultra Orthodox Jews or whoever's doing this. But the, the other question is, where are the Christians also to defend their brothers and to speak up for them? Because when oh. it because I feel, and as a as a Christian, maybe I ha can say this um, more than than you guys may feel comfortable saying. But there is there is a difference between the traditional Christians that you have here that are Catholic and Orthodox, and they dress in a robe and they wear big crosses and they have a liturgy and they have a mass, versus the evangelical Christians who both of you work more. With and you know right. that they're very big supporters of Israel and they're coming from overseas and there's very few that are actually here. There are a few here and there are a few organizations here, but those organizations haven't really stood up in the past for the Christians that have been spit on and they haven't made statements condemning that until it finally entered this arena where it went to the foreigners and possibly also now to evangelicals where the evangelical events are drawing a different uh, kind of protest, okay. but they're when they're drawing the pushback, then this is their time to step up and to condemn this. But this has been going on on a daily basis, and nobody condemned it—not the foreign ministry, not you know, and not the Christians before. And now suddenly we're condemning it this week. So Nicole, thank you for that. I, I always appreciate the the, the cynicism. 
Um, and, 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 it's a, and it's a reasonable question. We don't know, of course, if it had been you and your family coming out of a church, an Armenian church where people were identifiable in some way. If, you, if you're just walking down the street dressed as you are now, no one's going to do what you, you don't even have a cross on. No one's going to, or maybe you do, but I can't see under your, uh, under your, but whatever. Um, no, no one's going to notice it, but we, we can't disprove something that we don't know. But the interesting question, which I want to push back to you a little bit uh, for, for curiosity, is that you're right. Yeah, by and large, other organizations have not actively, David, you've, you've spearheaded a lot of uh, things over the years that, that have been um, calling out all kinds of uh, hatred and violence and, and, and assaults. But I, but but yeah, by and large, the Christian organizations that are based here and those who love us uh, unequivocally probably have not been. But here's a question for you, Nicole, and I and, and I just have to ask it. Unfortunately, the Catholic, the Orthodox uh, denominations here are are often very affiliated politically, and a lot of their statements feel you know I feel often like it's crying wolf. They're just looking for excuses to blame Israel. And I don't want to say more often than not, but too often for sure. They're tied into their, therefore a, 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 an injustice that's going on vis-a-vis -vis the Palestinian Arabs, um, tying into their own uh, existence here as, as, um, as Christians. It, it, am I wrong in thinking that? Or, or, or is that also a possible legitimate um, um, defense, if you will, of our other Christian friends who want to keep the Catholics and, and the Orthodox churches sort of at, at arm's length? But no matter what the political motivation is, the fact is they have been spit at for years. And it's not the evangelicals who have been spit at. It's the it's the the Christians who are dressed in the traditional right. garb, which are the you know the catholic and the orthodox and so the majority of those christians are arab and living here and so that is where and and, and i would say most of them i identify as palestinian so yes there is a big political issue here as well and that's also probably why the evangelical groups who are zionists generally also, the, why, where where there is the disconnect between this group and that group. So yes, politics and nas nationalism, I would say, does have um, a part to play. Maybe it, you know in the a in the angst between the two, but ultimately they have been bearing the brunt of it. And mm -hmm. I often say that whether or not you agree with their politics and. Um, you know, if you think you can't be, you know, Christian, if you're not Zionist and, you know, I'm not saying that I'm just saying that, you know, possibly th there are people who think that I've often said that the traditional Christians here, the ones who have been here for hundreds of years, um, they are the canary in the coal mine for how the state of Israel interacts with the Christian community here, okay. because they're the first ones who see their rights eroded. And then later on, you'll see that that some Christian organization is fighting to get its visas again. And usually this is an evangelical based or a you know a Zionist Christian organization. So what I'll see is I saw the attacks go on all summer. And then I know and then there was the eruption of um, the visa issue for a lot of these 
Christian organizations that are here to support Israel yeah. suddenly weren't getting their visas. And I, I see the, the connection. It's not the first time it happened, but um, that's, that's, that's my observation. You know, I, I'm not putting it out there as gospel, no pun intended. <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> but it's a good observation. And I'm grateful for that. Um, David, did you want to comment? Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to say this. If you have citizens and residents of the state of Israel, the responsibility of the protection, no matter how much we may disagree on the politics, doesn't take away from the responsibility of the state to protect its citizens and residents. All right. So again, I would I would want most uh, Christian Arabs who are part of the Catholic Church, for example, to be accepting uh, Nosheratate. But we know there are pre-Vatican. Uh, good. good point. To, we'll define what that is for those who don't know. So there was this uh, monumental uh, document that went ahead and changed the course of the Catholic Church, which included the beginnings of how to. Um, Think about replacement theology, which was the standard understanding of the Jewish people for their rejection of Jesus as Lord and Savior, therefore, and the charge of deicide, therefore, they were not covenanted. And then the institutional church, the Catholic Church throughout history, because of that teaching, did horrible things to the Jewish people. Okay, and this is the reason why we begin the whole conversation in the beginning, this custom of a silent protest of spinning is is it just part of the whole entire history between i would say more with the catholic church than any other church out there yes now in the 1960s here comes this new document that changes and revolutionizes not only the catholic church but also the relationship with the jewish people not looking at them as christ killers not looking at them as they've been replaced by the church but actually uh they are part of the covenant god is covenant with them and then there's whole entire 58 years of relationship with the Catholic Church turns it into uh, a brotherly relationship. Yes, there are theological differences between Judaism and Christianity, but the Catholic Church theologically has done a 130 when it comes to seeing. No, no. You meant no, 130? This is where we not because <laughs> the state of Israel is problematic in the theology. Okay, fine. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to go 130. Okay. And okay. just say there's a tremendous amount of change. Now, not every single Catholic around the world accepted Nostratate. You have many people in Latin America that didn't. And you have, right. especially, especially here in the Middle East, Middle Eastern Catholics didn't really accept Nostratate because it looked like it was going to be compromising on right. Palestinian nationalism. But be what it may, be what may, it doesn't really matter theologically what they believe in. What is the responsibility of Correct. the state? Okay. I would even add a little bit more to what Nicole is saying. I don't think most evangelicals will look at the traditional churches as Christian. We okay. know this from some of our evangelical friends okay. that they don't look at the Catholics as Christian, that there is a heresy that takes place. And therefore, because the traditional uh, churches sometimes is not as pro-Israel as the as the evangelicals or a segment of the evangelicals want them to be, uh, therefore, whatever is affecting that local community doesn't really put it on their major agenda to advocate for. Okay. Now, when the two issue, the only issues that that you have with the local church and the evangelical Christian Zionist organizations here that is in common is visas. 
this is why Nicole brought it out. I just want to add a layer because what Nicole is saying is a lot into what Nicole is saying for the audience members who may yeah. be hearing this for the very first time. Uh, visas across the board is controlled by the Ministry of Interior, who are not friendly towards any Christian, whether they be Catholic, Armenian, Orthodox, or Evangelical. That is part of Shas' party that's influenced over the years that has a very anti-Christian sentiment, which is part of the ultra-religious yeah. fabric of the state of Israel. Right. But what was caught off guard in this particular instance that got major media recognition is the ultra-religious party had nothing to do with the recent revoking of the status quo of the 20, 2019 agreement with the Christian Zionist right. organizations with visas. And when that happened, for the very first time, you see an evangelical Christian Zionist organization willing to go into the media, that's the International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem, and publicly denounce Israel, which was a, it is a big deal because you really never see that. It was a very that. big deal. You never see that. Right. And a few weeks ago, I just want to, anyone who wants more information on that, we, we had a conversation here with David Parsons at the beginning of uh, beginning of September about that issue. Um, David, the other thing I just will add, uh, and then I want to take another quick break, um, in terms of wh where it, where the visa thing is coming from and, and, and things controlled by Orthodox uh, parties, you used the word earlier, ignorance, which is true. Most, most I, I would argue most Israeli Jews are completely ignorant of Christians and Christianity and the difference between Catholics and Greek Orthodox and Armenian and and all of the thirty thousand denominations of 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 uh, Protestant uh, the Protestant Church, including our, uh, many of our evangelical friends, and and they all get lumped together. Um, so so it's that's the context that we're living with. If Nicole were wearing a big cross, or honestly, if you and I, this is another interesting thing. If you and I wanted to dress up as monks and wear crosses, we'll get spit at. Um, probably very likely because we represent that. Um, and I've, I haven't experienced that, but I experienced it enough in our community, in the modern Orthodox nationalist religious community, where there's a hostility toward Christians and Christianity. I know you so both want to... There, yeah. there, there, there's an important point about that because that's the, the Israeli culture here. When it, And this is where change can happen in the Department of Education, which I tried in the past to do. But it happened to be from the Dati Lumi uh, side of the Department of Education here in Israel, didn't really want to advance the positive things that were happening in Christianity to teach no. it to our kids. No. So if the last thing you're learning as an Israeli Jewish student that is taking secular studies, which the ultra-religious doesn't, the, the, the Dati Lumi national Jew takes secular studies. If you're learning about learning about the church, the last thing we leave off here in our education system is Constantine, which doesn't bode well for the representation <laughs> of Christianity towards Judaism. And therefore, if you end off in a negative, and the only thing you have is the, the history of the okay. church that we know anyway from our own families and we grew up with, and the only thing you have left in the Department of Education to teach you is about the negative of Christianity then there is no way for me as the average Israeli to know that there has been anything positive and no one remembers the Pope's visit to the Western Wall in 2000. Okay, excellent. Nicole, I know you probably want to comment 
I'm going to take a very quick break and then I'm going to come back before I pivot the topic a little bit. Then we'll hear, hear what you have to say. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Okay, Nicole, David said some very insightful and, and I would argue even provocative things. Um, did you wanna add anything to that? Um, just to tie in both of your previous statements, because uh, I think it's the, exactly what David was saying is great. And you, were, and, and you Jonathan, were talking about um, that, that the traditional churches seem to take a pro-Palestinian stance and they do, you know, for the most part. Um, most of them are very entrenched with the Palestinians as well. People that live there, they live in the West Bank, they live in Gaza, and they're taking care of them as well. But if the state of Israel does want to see more integration from their Christian community that lives here and uh, and to see more um, uh, of a tolerance between the uh, from the Christians to the state of Israel, there there has to be an improvement in the education. You know, it has to be that 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 if Jews and Christians are going to go to the same school, an Israeli public school, that they're going to be learning the history um, in, in order to respect one another and not ju just that, uh, like yeah. you said, if they end on Constantine, these poor Christians don't stand a chance being in the same classroom, which is why in Israel also you have separate education. So there's there's a lot of separation here. So it is there's a lot to overcome. Yeah. All right. We have our work cut out for us. Let's use this to pivot to the issue of protests that were taking place specifically this week against the ICEJ and the Feast of Tabernacles, which has been going on here since 1980. But we've seen other protests early and earlier and some of and the one that took place, particularly uh, in May, was was somewhat more violent, uh, aggressive, maybe even an assault in and of itself. Um, but I want to set it up again. I, I, I love that you said that there's a sense of ignorance um, here, David, and we've just unpacked a few of the reasons. But I have this and it, I don't typically like to air dirty laundry, but we're, we're doing that. We're doing that very openly about a big problem here in the state of Israel. I believe that part of the beauty of the society that we have built up, the strong, vibrant Jewish society is unfortunately there's a sense of arrogance. Like we don't need the Gentiles, the Goyim, the using using the 
the Hebrew word, and we don't care. And and I think that some people who may have continued, whether in formal education uh, or or not, know that there's a history beyond Constantine where Christians have tried to forcibly, not tried, have forcibly persecuted and tried to convert us. And that's more, more recent history. And I see that in the protests, which have been protests ostensibly about missionary activity here, which I'd like to discuss openly together as well. Um, but I think that it's coming from the same sense of ignorance and arrogance, albeit that there are probably no Israeli Jews who want to see anybody coming to Israel to try to convert Jews to Christianity or for that matter, anything else. Nicole, you're nodding. You want to jump in on that? Uh, sure. And I, I think that adds also another layer to the types of protesters that, that come out. So you've got the spitting, then you've got the vandalization. But what you're seeing with the, the protests that you're speaking about is uh, th those are the anti-missionary groups. And, you know, the anti-missionary groups are never really targeting the traditional Christians like the Catholics and the Orthodox who are Armenian and Arab and Greek and living in the old city because they're not evangelizing. They're just trying to live their lives. So I, I definitely the ones targeting organizations like the Christian embassy are the anti-missionary organizations like Lahava, Yad Lachim. And I spoke with David Parsons, uh, you know, when I, I interviewed him the other day and I asked him about the protests and he said, yeah, this is this is what, you know, the, the anti-missionary groups are come to our events and, and go after them. It's not the ultra orthodox who are spitting at them at all, because anyway, they don't look like Christians. They're just dressed like, you know, you and me. And, um, and well, I'm a Christian. But anyway, um, but, you know, they're they're not dressed in Christian garb. But the um, the so that that's the difference there. And you don't see that kind of protest at a Catholic church or at an Orthodox church. So that's where the difference is. The, the other thing that's really interesting that I gathered as I have been reporting this, because over the summer, there were a lot of stories about the assaults uh, against Christians here that live here and then suddenly I was interviewing Christians from abroad on last week. So when I asked them about how they felt and how does it like, how does this make them feel? Their response is completely different than the traditional Christian response. Their response is, well, I, I understand, you know, look what the Christians have done to them for centuries. Ah. You know, they're very upset with us. So I can understand. And we just want to show the love of God and show them that we're praying for them and we support Israel that's not the same response that you get from, you know, when I interview the church out. lawyer who is talking about incidents uh, that occur against the priests on a daily basis. I don't get the same response. So that, anyway. that's fascinating. So with Nicole, I want you to take it a little step further as a Christian and living here for, for two decades, you understand Israeli Jews, you understand Israeli society really well. Um, help, help a Christian who's listening to this understand why is missionary activity so offensive why is it so problematic when a christian comes to israel whether on in, as an individual or on behalf of some organization seeking to share the gospel and convert jews to christianity 
Well, I'll tell you what, it's, I don't think it's just if you come to Israel and do that. I think it's if anywhere you go, if you're coming arrogantly and saying, I know best, and this is what you should believe. I don't think it works even from Christian to Christian, like even Catholic versus evangelical. Uh, so, you know, having lived here and, and now being a minority as opposed to, yeah. you know, yeah. growing up in America and not, you know, being in the majority. Um, I, you know, I see, I do see the difference, but it, it doesn't, occur, I guess it's, it's hard for me to answer this question because it doesn't occur to me to change somebody's faith. I mean, I, I, I want you to know okay. your God and love your God, you know, and, 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 and serve him the way you're supposed to. And I believe that's something that, that is between you and, and God. Okay. So I, so is it, but that's my approach to anybody, it, not just Jews and not just living in Israel. David, do you want to jump in? And I, I know you have a lot of comments on this, but, but let's yeah. first, let's first help, help a Christian who just loves Jesus and believes that everyone should love Jesus and like they do and wants to come to Israel and whether it's their primary responsibility or not, but doesn't understand why, why are Jews protesting this? Why is it so problematic? So we've talked about this, Jonathan, for a number of times. There's a difference between Christian support of Israel and Jewish Christian relations. Uh, you can have a oh. Christian who loves Israel, but doesn't know anything about Jews, doesn't have a Jewish community, wasn't trained about Judaism and the history of the church. All they have is a download from God. And they're supposed to go ahead and support Israel. And that is it. And it's all coming from a Christ-centered approach to loving the Jewish people. They, you, you can't separate the faith. Sometimes Jews separate faith from their nationhood. Uh, but for, for truly to be a Christian is everything must be through the center prism of Jesus. So it's just as they are supposed to share the gospel, because that's what they're told as part of the Great Commission. Loving the Jews is part of that identity and that walk they have accepted, which is, for me, a miracle because most Christians don't care about Jews. They don't hate Jews, but they just don't care about Israel or the Jewish people. Uh, so therefore, coming to Israel and sharing the gospel to the Jewish people, from the Christian point of view, they don't see anything wrong because everyone is supposed to be believing in Jesus. But why, okay? but why did it hit a nerve for us? It, it hits a nerve for us because we are able to, to go ahead and put into these little categories and we're able to separate our how we are able to do our faith and who we are as a Jew, like who's a Jew is very complicated in itself, but all Jews would agree that because of the history of the church, trying to force Christianity as convert or die, and we live in that memory in the present moment, we don't live in history, we live in memory, and therefore, when that happens, we go back into the Middle Ages and see that this is a a basically killing of the Jewish identity when someone is sharing the gospel to us. And, it, you know, for Jews who don't want to be a Christian, you could just say simply no to the person. I don't understand the fear of, like, oh, my God, he, he shared the gospel to me. Like, okay, so say no. But I, I would say this. The, the insensitivity is people who know better, who are trained, and still do this, that becomes very offensive because they— they should understand what it means that 
finally, after 2000 years of post-traumatic exile syndrome, that we're now living in our land and we have sovereignty and we want to be Jews in the context of our Judaism, part of the Jewish-Christian relationship should be that the respect should be that for me to be a Jew in the context of my Judaism, just like I want someone to be a Christ-centered Christian. I don't want them to compromise on Jesus one iota, even though theologically, well, there are differences between Judaism and Christianity. That's fine. I live in mystery. But at the end, this Christian in front of me, for some reason, got this call to love me. Who am I to judge? And then pre put him into a preconditioned category to have a relationship with. Okay. So I'm Nicole, confident you're... enough in my Judaism that it's okay. I, I have a million, I have millions and millions of people over the years praying for my soul. That's fine. That that doesn't 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 affect me in my own relationship with God in the context of my own Judaism. The restoration of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel was an earth-shattering event. For Christians, it was a confirmation that God always keeps his covenantal promises. Today, we are blessed to see God's fingerprints in the modern miracle of the land of Israel playing out in our lives among the people and in the state of Israel. This year, on the occasion of Israel's 75th anniversary, the Genesis 123 Foundation has been privileged to bring together 75 Christian leaders from around the world to lend their unique voices, sharing their personal faith experiences relating to Israel and their in-depth insight into Israel's history and spiritual significance, creating an historical, one-of-a-kind, high-end coffee table book, Israel the Miracle. Israel the Miracle's stunning imagery will fill your home with the hope of fulfilled promises and conversations about Israel. It's a perfect gift to anyone for any occasion, and most of all, to yourself. You'll also be a blessing to Israel, knowing that the proceeds will go to blessed Israelis of all backgrounds. Be a part of Israel the miracle and bring the land, the people, and the state of Israel into your heart and into your home. Visit IsraelTheMiracle.com to get your limited edition copy today. Okay, Nicole's nodding, but David, uh, I, before I let Nicole jump in, um, you've been doing this for a while, and, and you understand that. And most Israelis, I'm, I, it's it's so good that you use the word ignorant, are ignorant. So many Jews around the world are ignorant of this and just look at it as an offense, as something, and 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 we go, yeah, and we re, if we if we celebrate every year. The redemption from slavery in Egypt, 3,500 years, you sure better believe we're going to be mindful of the fact that only hundreds of years ago, we were being persecuted and burned and threatened if we don't convert. And even those who did convert would have spies making sure that there was smoke coming out of the chimneys on Saturday and that we weren't secretly observing the Sabbath. Um, it's It touches a nerve and... And I think most, you, you, I, I wish I could already replay the message because how you said it was very precise that those who know better, who, who know why it's offensive should be more astute and should be more aware. That's but, where, that's where the issue really comes in. So, so like there was this, pro, there was this protest that happened with the deputy mayor of Jerusalem, Ari, Ari King. Who wants to score points with his constituency and right. gets the troops riled up for a private private prayer event that right. they had at the at the uh the Davidson Center, right? 
And all of a sudden, this protest happened. And it becomes very intimidated. People's, people felt their lives were at stake because yes. all of a sudden, they don't know what's going on. And they're, and they're told to go home. And literally, the glass shatters at one of the, uh, 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 as you're going outside the Davidson Center, becomes very intimidating. Police are there. Christians who are coming simply were, hey, I'm supposed to pray for Israel. I love Israel. Yes, right. I'm supposed to share the gospel because that's who I am as a Christian. They're not trained in Jewish-Christian relations, but the organizers know better. They know that going ahead and calling for the that the Jews should be accepting Jesus, and some of them, well, some of those organizers know better, then there's responsibility on their part not to okay. do that. Okay, Nicole, you want to jump in on this? It's getting real provocative. Yeah, no, it's always fascinated me uh, just as an observer. I mean, I, I feel like an observer, but that what's mistaken for missionary activity or for missionary motivations, you know, and it's simply support of, you know, Christian support of Israel, like this, uh, this event that you're talking about. Um, and it, so I, there are instances, I mean, there's more, um, what's the word, harig, like um, harsh? in English, more harsh incidents, like there was this one who was severe. on um, severe, thank you. Uh, this, this woman from England or Australia, uh, or yeah, something, that just happened. Out there with her with her megaphone on Shabbat, you know, in Masharim and in in uh, the Jewish quarter of the old city, and she's she's preaching, and and that that's just um, uh, that's out of left field. I mean, that that's me. That's a clear cut case of of that's missionizing, and it's also disrespectful, and it's also you know the time, you know the timing, everything I mean, about it, bullhorn, everything about yeah. it is 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 just wrong. Whereas these Christians who are just walking to a prayer meeting and fasting for 30 days, you know, to pray for Israel, I, you know, I don't think, yeah, I, I, I wish that, that, that people wouldn't be scared of that. You know, I, I, I really don't, you know, I don't see, I don't see a threat in that, but anyway, I, that's uh, me as an observer watching what's happening here. If there were, a I just want to add something. I, I just want to add something with Nicole because our, Nicole is an Armenian, and I, and we are. I think it was Saren Aronson's, we say yard site, uh, her the the memorial yeah. of her death. Saren Aronson passed away, unfortunately, uh, during this time. Saren Aronson was part of the original spy network called Neely before the State of Israel. Right. And why I'm bringing this out is because Saren Aronson. When she was taking a train ride and saw what the Ottomans did to the Armenians in their Holocaust, she said, we can't work with the locals to advance any peace negotiations. We have to work with the British. And they were the ones who gave the British the intelligence, along wow. with the whole Neely group. Okay, so it we actually owe it sort of like a debt of gratitude because of what was happening of the suffering and the, and the persecution. But what happened to the Armenians, Sarah Aronson learned from that. If that's going to happen to them, imagine what will happen to us. So oh, wow. I, in case you didn't know the, that piece of no, trivia, I didn't you can actually that. go, you could go Zichron Yaakov to the Aronson house uh, and actually look at what happens because part of why we worked with the British is because we saw what was happening to the Armenians. Very interesting. And um, 
So I just want to give a, a little credit because you don't find the Armenians going on the street corners trying to proselytize any Jews. They're an amazing community of Christians. Um, and a minority in a minority in a minority. A minority in a minority in a minority. And like all the minorities exactly. are there and they've always tried to work with the Jewish people. But it's only, you know, usually it, there's a Kodak moment and it goes to the sign. And I, I often find that um, not much more can be done, not with the typical players in the local Jewish Christian relational scene, but it should be actually more with the rabbis both from the national religious sense and the ultra-religious, yes. because there could be a lot more in common to talk about with the Armenian church. And so I just want to say, because we're here in the state of Israel, and we're speaking to you, Nicole, that you're representing the Armenian community, in a way, the inspiration of where we ended up in the state of Israel, pre-state, is because of the Armenian community. Excellent. Excellent. That's Thank beautiful. you. beautiful. Nicole, I'm sensing an article in your road trip to Zikron Yaakov where they have some lovely wineries. So maybe I'll uh, come hang out. Win-win. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to um, punt on the last announcement because I just want to begin to wrap up. And this has been so engaging and there are a number of directions that I could continue to take the conversation, but I'd rather leave people wanting more. And I really encourage people to, to when you're listening, Email me and let us know what 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 would you like to hear more about this? What didn't you understand? We we've, we've just scratched the surface, but I but as I said at the outset, something's so important. And I know we're in the middle of a war right now, and I don't know what's going to be going on um, when people are actually hearing this. The, the big war won't be over. Whether the battle is still going on, I don't know. Um, but I, I I like to do this and wrap up um, and just we we've covered a number of different topics. Um, and I just want to leave leave you both with the last word. What have we not discussed? What what needs, whether it's relating to the spitting or the protests or general Jewish-Christian relations and how we behave as individual Jews and, and or the state of Israel vis-a-vis -vis Christians and Christian institutions um, here? Nicole, I, I was going to say ladies first, but I'm I'm going to defer to you as the lady to say, you get to decide if you want to be the clincher or if you want to make a comment now. No, I'm going to put the clincher pressure on David. Okay. <laughs> so, um, no, I'll just say that one thing that I think is significant in the Christian world, but this is specifically the Catholic world, but mind you, the Catholics, there, I think, is the lar largest Christian denomination in the world, um, that the Pope has just appointed new cardinals and he right. appointed a cardinal from Jerusalem. And this is the first time there will be a cardinal, which is the second highest position after Pope um, in the Holy Land in Jerusalem. And many people believe, you know, I covered that article as well. And a lot of people believe that this was the Vatican signaling, like we've got our eye on the city. Like, we don't like the way things have been going, and we're going to now have a, a high senior presence in the city to just to let people know we're watching. Now, at the same time, and of course, this is just veering straight into the political realm, uh, there was a UN uh, meeting recently, uh, United Nations in uh, in 
in New York and an archbishop, a Catholic archbishop who represents the Vatican uh, had said that he, he raised the special status of Jerusalem calling for a, a quote, internationally agreed special statute for the city. So I, I think if anything else, this should be on our radar because now you got the Vatican involved and in looking at the city, which then veers from religious and our interactions with each other on a religious level to politics and possibly final status agreement of Jerusalem. Wow. To politics and the fact that a lot of land in which uh, Jerusalem is built, our own, and we're not going to get into this conversation right now, but our own is owned by the church on 99-year leases. And someone could come down and say, yeah, we're not happy. We're not renewing the lease on the Knesset or, or, or something like that. Um, thank you for that extra. We'll keep an eye on that and maybe have that conversation later. David, last thoughts. What have we uh, not talked about? What do you want to comment on? I just uh, I don't think we can just simply rely on a few bad apples excuse in the Jewish community. So I just want to make sure the, the Christians listening to this understand the, the demographics. 9.6 million people are residents and citizens of the state of Israel. Uh, Christians make up 2% of the population of the state of Israel. Uh, what we have is over 100 attacks over about 20 years from the national religious side of, of the aisle when it comes to the attacks on Christian holy sites, and then hundreds upon hundreds, you could say thousands over the years, when it comes from the ultra-religious side towards as far as spitting attacks are concerned. What you should know is there are 2 million uh, uh, what we call traditional Orthodox streams of, uh, of, uh, of our religion, of our denomination, that's 2 million people that make it up. So it's easy Jewish. to look at those numbers and say, well, if we combine the ultra-religious and the Datsky Lumi, the ultra-religious uh, party together, the, the, and that stream of Judaism, there are 2 million. Why are you complaining about a few thousand, you know, let's say tops, a few thousand involved in this over the years? And the answer is, is there seems to be a passive tolerance to the overall issue, which that be comfortable about when it deals with human dignity. To be tolerant about allowing behavior like this for your own yeshiva students to go out there and do this type of thing is just wrong. And therefore, it is the responsibility besides the government, the religious leaders. This can only really be changed by the religious leaders. As much as you have a hate crime in the Knesset, if we ever get that one day, if the religious leaders do not take a stance on this and actually talk about it in the yeshiva, in the religious institution, then we're going to continue to talk about this issue. And I don't see anyone brave enough to really uh, you know, push the apple cart, upset the apple cart a little bit to actually address this issue. Not in English, in Hebrew, in the Hebrew, in, in all their... Uh, what we would say Torah tidbits, their weekly uh, Torah portions of the week to talk about this because everyone's reading this material and it should be talked about in the yeshiva. So as much as we uh, are against anything against vandalism, against Christian holy science, spitting at clergy, we are not accepted in the mainstream of the Orthodox Jewish world. 
so wh whoever is listening to this, if they are, then the responsibility is to carry forth that understanding yeah. into the world to make the change with the Roshe Hashivot, with the heads of these institutions. Excellent. David, thank you for that perspective. Um, Nicole and David, both of you, it's late Saturday night. It's been a it should have been a restful Shabbat. It was not, at least in my house, um, and not in the state of Israel. Uh, I'm grateful that we weren't interrupted by any air raid sirens, and I pray that in the last hour maybe something has changed and there won't be, and 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 we'll all be safe. But I thank you both for taking the time tonight, um, joining and coming back um, as as guests on Inspiration from Zion for this really really important topic. Thank you. Yeah. Now, as we always wrap up, um, I used to, I, I, I can't get out of saying that I used to say, I always used to say self-deprecatingly, if you've stayed with us, you deserve a reward. However, the topic and this conversation indeed has been that reward, but we want to incentivize you to get a special gift. And as you've, you've been following Inspiration from Zion and the Genesis 123 Foundation in the last couple of months, you know we've come out with an extraordinary book called Israel the Miracle. And what we're offering every month this, this year for the rest of the year and maybe even into next year is for you to get your own free copy. And these books retail for $75. All we ask that you do is follow and like Inspiration from Zion on our social media and where you comment and, comment and or share the link to this program, we get to pick one person at random to receive a book. So I would love for you to do that, especially with this conversation. And I'll be thrilled to send you a copy of inspiration from Zion, uh, excuse me, is Israel the miracle uh, to enjoy with your family. We are grateful always that this podcast is sponsored by our good friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area and want to stop in and thank them for helping make conversations like this possible, uh, please do so. And special thanks as well to the Coyne family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges and bring you important conversations like this. I'm taking the liberty of dedicating this episode in memory of all of the hundreds now of Israelis who have lost their life in the last 24 hours of what we have this new incident going on, this war, this battle, this horrific incursion by Hamas that, that we dedicate and pray that they that their memories will be a, a comfort to their families and their families will be strengthened and that we will see no more casualties. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or special occasion, please be in touch at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. And as always, we'd love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue specifically about this topic, but in general. And we invite you to send any questions as well, specifically for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this conversation with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here where we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judea Mountains. God bless you.